coffers. Alright, let's get it. DC, Maryland, Virginia, what's up? All right, we here. Look, first and foremost, uh, shout, shout out to the Made in the DMV. I mean, it's, it's special uh, conferences like this that 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 just make DC what it is, make Maryland what it is, make Virginia what it is. There's no place like this cluster right here, so we gotta stay together. The Masterbos King Flexer, uh, representing uh, DTLR Radio Forever, Combs Enterprises, Morgan State University, Bear Pride, any bears in here? I know we in HU land, I know where we at, trust me, I know where we at, but Bear Pride Forever, so um, I'll pass it on to Quick, Quick, Quick. Hello everybody, good morning, good afternoon, my name is Quicksilver. Uh, I have a syndicated radio show. I'm, I own uh, now two DJ schools, one in Baltimore, one in D.C. Uh, I own a nightclub in Baltimore called Club Downtown. Um, I, can I plug something out here? I got two TV shows coming up this year. I'm going to give you all exclusive. Um, so uh, I'm on a show called Love and Marriage DC with my wife Ashley. We premiere on Oprah's own network um, Saturday, May 14th, 9 p.m. But I'm going to give you all the exclusive that I haven't said on the radio or anything yet. So if they can say this is an exclusive that nobody might like a lot of people know about the Love and Marriage show because I've been talking about it on Instagram. Um, but this is exclusive. Where you at, Bert? I'm giving you the exclusive. I have my own documentary called Who is Quicksilver? And Netflix just picked it up and I come on Netflix in November. So thank thank you. And I'm, I'm really excited because I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people know the name Quicksilver from radio, TV, whatever it is. Um, but a lot of people don't know anything about me. So, like, I feel like once you, like, see my docu-series, you're going to be like, damn, I had no idea. Like, this guy had been shot. This guy had been stabbed. This guy the lost his mom at 10, lost his dad at 18, didn't go to college. Like, it's so many things that I just never talk about because um, I, I never was a, a person that wanted to open up. Um, but as I was filming my docu-series, it really was therapy for me because a lot of these things, this is my first time like saying to a person like, this is why I'm the way I am because I've been traumatized. And I think a lot of us, we always looked at mental illness as, oh, he just crazy or, or she just that way. But then when you find out people's backstories, then it starts to make sense. Uh, so I'm not going to get too emotional with y'all now, but I, I really can't wait for y'all to see my docu-series. But thank you. Check me out every day on the radio, three to seven. I always hate following up things like that because I don't have a docu-series yet, but I'm going to work on one now. The bar is set. Um, I'm Little Bacon Bear. You might know me from the airways on 93.9 WKYS Air Horns. Uh-huh, honey. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, I just am on this panel, I guess, to be a little feminine balance. I'm a DJ and a host. And uh, yeah, Air Horns. Yo, yo, um, my name is Anwa Kong. Um, used to be a photographer in a city, like back in the day, I had this website called Elite DC Mag. Um, we like ran the city, like as far as like nightlife stuff for like seven years. Now I run this brand called Movement. Y'all probably seen it around. I got a smart car outside. Take a picture of my car, please. Post it on the gram. And the Movement, that's just what I do, man. Yo, how we doing everybody? Good afternoon, I go by the name of Pedro Knight. 
I represent Montgomery Village, Central America, and Adobo DMV. That's why I'm here today. Um, my main mission is to unite uh, the black community with Central Americans, South Americans, the Caribbeans, and Africans through Adobo DMV, through our platform, and through the power of music. Um, yeah, thank y'all for coming today. Looking forward to speaking with y'all. Uh, I'm Jerome Baker. I'm a DJ. Hey, Darling Nikki, though. One time you for know, Darling Nikki. He's way more than just a DJ. He's got an amazing party called Darling Nikki every other Wednesday at Cabo. That's yeah, every, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm not a talker. I don't talk, you know that. I'm no, I mean, neither am I. So it's crazy that I'm the moderator. I'll be there quick to talk on the mic, Fletcher, you know. Friends, how many of us? Have- so, so let's get straight to it. I mean, this is the first time I'm seeing some of y'all in a very long time. Obviously, we had a little bit of a break with the pandemic. How did that affect you guys? Obviously, in the pockets, we didn't make the same money. But for the mental side, you know, during the pandemic and then also coming back out of it, how was that transition for you? How did that affect you? I could start because um, for me, you guys. Uh, people is everything to me so when we had to quarantine and not be around the people that you know give us fuel and give give us life on a regular basis it really was messing with me like okay i gotta do something um so that's where dc a chocolate city story came from um where you know it, it really became something because of everybody um that either was on it or supported it watched it everything like that um it just means everything to me so the pandemic was a silver lining um in 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 my world um, same thing for me. I feel like pre-pandemic, I was working for um, Pernod and I was repping uh, Martel, Avion, Jameson. I was like a brand rep for that company. Um, so when the pandemic happened, the city shut down, obviously. So they, um, but before I started that job, I was kind of building this movement brand. Um, and then when the pandemic happened, they like released, they like basically fired the whole marketing team they felt like they didn't need a marketing team because everyone was at home so that kind of gave me the freedom to kind of jump on the movement brand and then when like when the doors was open it was just a wrap you know what i'm saying so it was just a it was a silver lining in a way to like it was like a reset like i feel like 2020 was a hard reset and everyone who was working or toiling you they're all flourishing right now you know what i'm saying versus if you just sat down and was just chilling um, the crazy part, shout out to my partner Earl and my EO back there. Um, and we, we were just like, it's, it's an amazing question because we were just talking about this on the way here. Um, the pandemic was actually great to me. Like, like I've really made more money in the last two years than I probably made in my 25, 30 years of, of DJ. But I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that in a boastful way at all. Um, but like, I just, I'm a hustler. Like, I know how to pivot. So I never stopped DJing. So, if, you know, my alias is the Party Kingpin. I've been DJing seven nights a week, literally for the last 25 years. So when the pandemic happened and D.C. shut down, um, Miami and Texas, if y'all know, Florida and Texas never closed, right? So I literally, Earl will tell you, I DJ live on Sundays in Miami in a club called Chapman in Caribbean Houston. I was going to Miami and Houston every week. So I literally never stopped DJing. Um, and then once other cities started opening back up, we had a game plan. One thing I always say is you have to plan your work because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? But then when you get a plan, you have to work your plan. So we literally, me, Eo, and Seas would sit down and be like, all right, what cities are opening quick? What promoters do we know there? And let's now start locking in dates. So I was, during the pandemic, still doing three, four parties 
every single day. And then because the supply and demand was there, my price went up. So, like, then after that, DC opened back up, and I just, like, I never slowed down. And then, of course, the virtual space. Shout out to my guy, D-Nice, who really owned it. Uh, but I remember having a conversation with D-Nice. I said, I love what you're doing. I'm, I'm going to do the same thing. Then I started branding things. Man, my wife started a thing called Quick and Ash After Dark every Wednesday. We ended up getting sponsors for that because we were consistent. Then I started Sunday Fun Day with Quicksilver from 3 to 4 on Instagram. Because I was consistent and it wasn't like a, I'm just going to pop in, I started putting flyers up. So a lot of people, we have great ideas, but we don't market and promote them. I literally branded Quick and Ash After Dark. I literally branded Club Quicksilver. And then after that, sponsors started coming in. So I never really lost any money, anything. So maybe it was just me. I, I was blessed, blessed. You certainly were. <laughs> I mean, I think as a creative, like uh, on the ground, I think just even hearing from artists, they struggled during this time. Like you really just had to figure out a way if you didn't have a studio for myself, like trying to do radio from the house. I'm doing it in a closet with a microphone on the floor talking to the DMV at the same time. So if you're fortunate to still have gigs, that's awesome. But you still have rent due. And there's no gigs because there's no clubs. So I think a lot of people just had to pivot and it became a lot of that and adapting some of those good ideas and putting them in motion with what you got and making do with what you got is kind of what it looks like. I know similar to Quick, uh, Pedro and myself got involved with streaming on Twitch and that was a whole different world, a different opportunity, uh, a place that I never thought I would be because I've been playing clubs for a while, but the virtual space is here. I mean, we all hear about it in different facets. But to be introduced on it probably three days a week, maybe four days a week, every week, like Quick said, staying consistent. I mean, it, it just changed my view of what we can do uh, moving forward and how important having a presence in the virtual space will be. And like, it's a place where we all have to be. Like, it's not really an option. It's like you have to find your place there and make it work for you. And real quick, to piggyback on what Jerome said, I'm going to cut you off. Um, the virtual space became humongous. Like, and I, I hate to keep like name dropping, but what D Nice did. So y'all know D Nice was a DJ way before the pandemic. I'm not sure old y'all, all right. So this guy was boogie down productions in the '70s and '80s. He was a rapper. My name is D Nice. So like, a lot of people. It's amazing over the last two years. Like they just heard about this guy D Nice that's DJing the Grammys. I've known the guy for 25 plus years, and what he did. My, my principles are hard work, dedication, and consistency. A lot of people are dope, but you're just not consistent. So what D-Nice said, he said, the day I went live, I literally DJ quick for me. It was like 50 people. Then I just kept DJing. The guy went viral because he DJ literally for two days straight and didn't go to sleep. Most people would think he's crazy. And then the Obamas and the Rihannas, everybody started chiming in. And what he did, he said, quick, I just never stopped. Even though people are back outside, he's still DJing virtually right now. If I told you how much money this guy makes, like virtually, it's millions. So like if, if you're consistent and, and please somebody write this down. If you do anything long enough, you become great at it. Anything. If you do anything long enough, if you don't listen to anything on any panel, just remember Quicksilver said, if I do anything long enough, I become great at it. The problem is most of us, we get complacent too fast. Or as soon as we think we're consistent for a week, if we don't work, we give up. It's a proven fact that frustrated people quit. The difference with D-Nice is he didn't quit. The difference with the Bacon Bears and the Quicksilvers, we're not better than anybody else. We're just consistent. So what D-Nice did, he took that virtual space, and this guy, like, 
You can probably Google it. So I thought I'm under the bus. He makes millions of dollars when he does Instagram lives. That's why he does it every day. It went from just being a passion to now Instagram pays this guy. This guy DJ at the Grammys. This guy DJ at the Super Bowl. All off the pandemic. So when people say the pandemic was bad, D-Nice would argue this has been the best two years of his life because he was consistent. So remember that if you do anything long enough, you become great at it. Anything. Yeah, so um, I definitely think that the virtual space, it definitely can't be ignored. It can't be understated. Um, it's the way of the future. You know, with the way that things are going with NFTs, with the metaverse, it's inevitable. Um, but I think for me personally, I can only speak for myself, but uh, the pandemic was difficult. You know, as a DJ, um, as a person who's where music is a driving force in my life. And one of my favorite things about music is that it has the power and ability to bring people together, people from all different walks of life. And it's a real communal experience. One of my favorite aspects of DJing is that when I get to reciprocate the energy that the people, the crowd, the community is giving to me, when I'm able to give that right back to them in their face, that's one of my favorite parts about it. So when the, pandem- when the pandemic took that away, you know, it hit me, hit me real hard. It was real difficult. Um, but you know, like Jerome, we were able to pivot to Twitch um, and I was able to really lock in and not so much focus on the viewership, on the numbers, on, oh, how many people are following me. For me, I took it as like, oh, it's like, you know, almost like public practice. Like I'm in the gym putting up shots, like trying, experimenting. It was like a live practice. So um, that's sort of what I focused on. And as an event organizer of Adobe DMV, um, before the pandemic, we were doing parties for about 500, 600 people at Big Chief hard rock all around the city um, on a monthly consistent basis. And once the pandemic happened, we pretty much paused everything. We took a complete pause. We stopped all operations for uh, damn near, what, 12, 13 months, something like that, until we came back at the Kennedy Center. Um, And, you know, we came back intentionally. I know a lot of people, you know, they came right back into the swing of things, weekly parties, you know, doing things during the week. Uh, for us, we took a beat. Um, our first event back was July 27th. You know, so the city had been open for about two months beforehand. Um, but, you know, we had the programming with UCB, with Gordo Brega in the building, with a bunch of local DMV acts trying to fuse uh, Latin music with Go-Go and trying to make that happen at the Kennedy Center. So, you know, we came back in the same way, but it also has been a little bit um, uncertain. You know, there's been a lot of up and down since things opened up last year. Um, Omicron came over December, January, February was almost wiped out and we're just now sort of picking up the pieces. So I'm here with everybody, man. You know, it's been difficult, but you know, we here, we're still standing and you know, we still breathing and we healthy, you know, so yeah, that's what it's all about. Pedro for president, for real. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pedro. So real quick, a lot of y'all mentioned pandemic pivots. My bad, brother. Pandemic pivots and, you know, switching from one lane of this profession to a completely other, whether it's DJing in front of people, hosting in front of people, promoting for people to now trying to drive people to these virtual spaces. Obviously, that takes a following to already to be able to drive that and be successful. So with the hard work, dedication and consistency you considered, you know, what are the steps that you took to build that following so that you could even make that pivot? And they actually say, you know what, I'm going to come see Jerome on Twitch. I'm going to see Bacon on YouTube. I'm going to see quick on IG Live. How did you build that following before the pandemic? And do you think that same method will work in this post-pandemic audience where people are 
been trapped in the house, will they respond the same way and follow you? I think for one, if it's genuine, yes. But I think that we really kind of like mess ourselves up by saying like, oh, the internet's not real. That's not real. Well, those are real people that are sitting behind the keyboard. And I think we see the power of the keyboard now at this point. You get the... uh the good and the bad of what people are thinking and feeling and so you kind of if you have an audience say of 200 people or 20 people you know what they want from you you continue to give them that content you just have to find a lane in a space that has need uh same with the twitch space there's people that are sitting in their house on their phone how can you do that i'm a dj let me put myself in front of this camera and dj for hours and hours and hours and they'll pay me to do that because they're fans of my work so you know just vision for for me uh before the pandemic um, sometimes in nightlife, things are just, oh, dap and keep it moving, dap. For me, it's always a personal touch, right? So when pandemic hit and I was like, all right, people is my thing, like, and that's what drives me. I said, and I'm not from here. And we know that the DMV um, um, has uh, rightfully so uh, a protection because the, 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 like, there's no place in the world like the DMV area. So for me, I wanted to showcase my love and my appreciation for the city that embraced uh, uh, implant like so I wanted to get influential people that are either from DC or they migrated just like myself but more importantly they have impact one thing we're coming to the DMV area you have to bring value before you're really embraced especially as like an out of towner so for me it was purpose um, that helped build my following and everybody counted if I had five people on one of those DC or chocolate it didn't matter I entertained them and embraced them and before you know it built the community from five to ten to fifteen to the hundred chapter had our mayor Bowser on it. So I, 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 I couldn't even imagine, and I didn't make one cent off of directly DC or Chocolate City story. It's my purpose after the fact that I got the phone ringing because I was I, I was driven with purpose and not like yo when are they gonna pay me like where, where's my money? it wasn't about money it was about purpose. And and I feel like I want to say ditto because he's like literally he's in my brain like. And I feel like I'm going to say the same thing. If y'all know Quicksilver, I'm going to repeat this and it might get repetitive. Consistency. Like, people don't get what consistency is. Like, consistency means to do something over and over again greatly over a period of time. Success takes time. Like, it, it, it bugs me out when, like, people compare to each other. And you, you compare a, a Bacon or a Quick or Anwar or somebody who's been consistent for 20 years and then you got to wait for a year and now all of a sudden you don't understand why we don't make the same money. And what he just said was he never asked for a dollar during Chocolate City. Here's another quote. And I'm going to say a bunch of stuff if you want to put it down. I said if you do anything long enough, you become great at it, right? Here's a, what Flexer just said, and I'm going to put it in my words. If you become yourself and make yourself the best version of yourself, eventually people will pay you just to be you. Like that might have wanted with somebody here because you're on your phone scrolling. Like people will pay you just to be you. And everything I say up here when I talk about money, it's not to brag or boast. I've never asked for a job in my life. I've never applied for radio. I've never filled out an application. I've never worked. I literally just made myself the best version of myself. I'm not better than Malcolm or Jerome or, or anybody, but I'm the best Quicksilver. Bacon can't out Quicksilver me. I can't be Bacon Bear. I can never be Malcolm Xavier. So when I made myself the best version of myself, people pay me just to be me. Does that make sense? Am I, am I talking to myself? Like, that's what people don't get. Is like, if you remain yourself long enough, I never, 
I've been in DC now 20 plus years. I'm originally from Baltimore. I know y'all get my and y'all we do, right? I remember coming to and I and I don't mean to talk to I talk too much. Hey, cut me off, Malcolm. When I first came to DC, I'm not sure if y'all remember this. I came to DC in like 2001, 2002. I was on PGC at the time first. Um, doing the five o'clock mix with her dad. Wow, Easy Street. That's crazy. Full circle moment here. And you know what everybody told me my first day on radio? Everybody. When I say everybody, the programmers, your father, Flex and Rico, every, your Quicksilver's not going to work in D.C. He talked funny. He, he, he wear big white tees. He got dreads, shorts. He on the radio talking about, hot dog, you know how we do. He not going to work. Literally, I, I was told I wasn't going to work. 20 years later, I've been number one on every radio show from PGC to KYS to morning. And now I have a syndicated radio show in 10 cities. Sometimes I want to go back 20 years ago and be like, what are all the people doing that told me I wasn't going to work? Like, what are they doing now? But the difference was I never let it get to me. I just kept being consistent. I didn't come to D.C. trying to fake like, yo, hey, Joe. And like, I couldn't come in faking. I was just me. And then I figured out my niche. You know what my niche was? I figured out, and he keep using the term DMV. Shout out to Tony Lewis if he was here. He always said, quick, it's DMV and it's real DC. I'm not sure if anybody really from DC. I ain't talking Maryland and Virginia. I'm talking uptown, southeast. Nobody from DC says I'm from DMV. Am I right? I've never heard DMV started from people from Maryland and Virginia who wanted to be all together. They say it's DMV. And DC was like, nah, I ain't from no damn DMV. I'm from, I'm from the city. So with that being said, what I figured out fast was I'm not from D.C. Even though people in the rest of the world, because I've been here so long, people bug out when they see me on a Pepsi ad and it says Quicksilver D.C. Baltimore, like that nigga from East Baltimore, he lying. I say all that to say my niche when I first came here, I figured out that 90 percent of the Washingtonians who listen to Go-Go, they were partying at the Go-Go's, and there were no Go-Go's when I came here in D.C. They were all Temple Hills, the legend, the ascot. And then when I started DJing in downtown D.C., I realized that 90% of the people were Quicksilver. They weren't from D.C. At one point, D.C. was not partying in D.C. It was all Maryland, Virginia. People who went to Howard, they moved here. So I remember DJing at Zanzibar, 2004. I remember like it was yesterday. And this was my turning point because up to then, everybody said Quicksilver not going to work, right? I'm DJing at Zanzibar, live broadcast with our dad, Easy. Tigger was there. All the D.C. people were there. And they like, quick, I don't know. You know, Don't come on playing. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try something. And if this works, I promise you, I'm never leaving D.C. So I, I told the program director at the time i said y'all i'm gonna actually get on the mic in this dc and he said you better not do that in, in dc you on zanzibar boy quick you just got here you gotta follow the rules if anybody know me baking do i follow any rules tell quick not do something i'm gonna do it so i literally got on the mic you know what it is quick so we live on the pgc blah 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 blah, blah. you know anybody else from dc make some noise and it's like a thousand people in there maybe a hundred people made noise because once again dc was at the go-go's they wasn't downtown and i said Shh, if this works i am going to take over this town and the clubs i say all right shout to dc then i get real loud but anybody that's not from dc make some noise and the whole club erupted and i realized holy crap 
everybody in this club is from Maryland, D.C. They went to Howard, New York. I said, that's my niche. I'm going to come into the market and be the out-of-town DJ that parties for the out-of-towners. And then I just became consistent. And then over years, Real Washingtonian started embracing me, not because of DJ Quicksilver, but because of my activism. Because how much I give back. When there's a march on Washington, I'm the keynote speaker. When your kid is having career day, Quicksilver's the speaker. When there's something going on that really matters in real life, I show up. So I didn't become just a DJ. And then over time with consistency, it works. So if you do anything long enough, you become great at it. And that's all I did. So to piggyback on that real quick, because we got a couple people that aren't from D.C. proper on the panel. What was it like attacking for everyone, you know, attacking this new market when you first got here versus like all these other markets that you probably came from? I mean, I got here in 03. Uh, I graduated from Hampton University, moved up here. I'm really from Arizona. So D.C. was just a whole different experience for me. But it was it was it was like opportunity everywhere right so i kind of started on u street um playing bars and clubs down there and just building in that community a lot more uh once i kind of got downtown so to speak or, or quick was already the king down there um again more opportunity more let me put my stamp on what i think downtown should look like right let me start my own thing because i don't have the relationships and I, that's been my thing is being able to start my own thing and have my own ideas and believing in myself and having people that say, you know, we identify what you're trying to do. So let's partner up together. Let's work together. So, you know, like I said, I've been here since 03. And D.C. is just it, the playground, the opportunity, the the fact that if you get out there and push yourself hard enough, you can make it work. To me, that's still very prevalent today. And it's the reason why I feel like I'm still here. And a lot of us in this room and on this panel are here as well. You know, well, for me, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um, came out here in 2005 to go to Morgan State University and once I realized that DC was just 30 minutes 40 minutes down the I would say turnpike because that's the New York thing but down the parkway I was like there's no way our nation's capital right there and I'm not gonna see what the vibe is and, and see what how the people are and the key with me was I didn't come down with the typical New Yorker we're gonna take over you know how New York can be I know my people trust me I could uh, I'm being honest, you know what I mean? Like I, I was very big on this is these folks backyard. You got to come with a a certain genuineship and a realness. And if they embrace you, they embrace you. If they don't, then you're not meant to be here. So I was traveling down for like DC Carnival because I'm Jamaican too. Shout out to all my West Indians. Um, DC Carnival. They need to bring it back too. By the way, is is it back? Uh, they, but we we need to we need to rally for that carnival because that's a time and a half for real. Um, I have Flex Rated TV, which was my YouTube channel that really kicked things off for me in Atlanta, in Miami. I was just traveling like hits from the streets and just getting content, creating you know, show stuff on the spot. It was unscripted, so I came down to DC Carnival, did the same thing, did an episode, and I just started a host at certain clubs. Um, shout out to uh, King Ivan, uh, formerly known as DJ Ki. We went to Morgan together. We were a tandem. He started to bring me down here during the cafe asia days h2o days platinum days station nine days these are the vintage spots and um I, it wasn't about the money either i was just tagging along with him and making my rounds and before you know it relationships built 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 then i became the Ciroc ambassador and then dc achalka city story and now i'm back with Ciroc after a 10 month stint with the dark but um now we're back uh Ciroc spritz by the way um go ahead this is a shameless plug Ciroc vodka spritz 
And um, yeah, that, that's my story. So that, that, that's how I came into the town and how I decided to move. So real quick, when we're talking about nightlife in this area, it's very, there's generations that happen over time. Some people like Jerome, you said you started in 03, quick, you started around this 2000. Y'all have seen changes over time. I've only been DJing seven years and I've seen changes. Yeah, seven years. Seven years. Dope, it's like 20 years. <laughs> I'm only at 31. Hey, look, I, time is not real. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of changes. DC changes every couple of years, and we see the scene change, we see venues change, we see the audience change. How does that affect how you attack the market? How does that affect how you play, how you host, how you promote the parties? Um, I think. So when I graduated from Morgan in 06, so I came to came back to DC. Well, I came to DC pretty much. I was working at BET. But the city at that time was you had to wear like suits. You was at the club, you was at H2 or wherever you at. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you had you had your suits on, you had your hard bottoms, and then I'm gonna say like probably like 2007, you started seeing like sneakers in the club and like, you know what I'm saying, that type of thing. So like you always see the change every couple of years, just like it, it changes with what people drink. So back then it was like vodka. Then people went dark, went to Hennessy, then they're in tequila now. Next, they'll be back to vodka like next year or sometime, right? Or sometime this summer. Like, I promise you they are. They're, 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 they're coming back. They're, uh, just, 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 watch, just watch the change the power happen. power marketing. Just watch, the, just watch the change happen. You know what I'm saying? Remember I said it, like, like people's tastes always change after a couple of years so you know now we're in a space where um that people just want to have a good time and you know like a couple years ago pre-pandemic it was like trap 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 like rose bar everything was just on fire now people just want to have a good time they've been stuck in the house they want to come out and they want they want to hear the best music um, and you look at all streaming platforms, the best music, the most streamed music is old music. The new music is, aren't, is not getting as streamed as much as the old music. So people want to come out, they want to hear the old stuff. So for me, it was just like pre-pandemic 2019, I started this party. It was called the Basement R&B Party. Um, and, you know. <laughs> One and of the best parties I DJ, I swear. We were doing, I feel like we were doing this basement spot and we were doing like three, 400 people. And the pandemic came, you know, pandemic ended. And our first one out, we did a thousand people. And we've been doing a thousand people every month since then. Um, last month, we did 1,200 plus. Um, and it's just like you could tell people want to have a good time. People want to have a good time. And people are bottled up. Adobo guys. Like you go to their parties, people just want to have a good time. They're, they're having a good time. So that's a change that we're seeing right now. Just people just want to have a good time. And that changes how you market the events also. Um, so now you want to market not more so pictures, more so videos um, to show the experience so people know what they're coming with. What you just said, adapt. Like, I feel like my answers be so cookie cutter, but people just like, they make things more difficult. Uh, the, the fun part about DJing or promoting or anything or rapping, I don't care what you are. The fun, here's the fun part. Shout out to Monique. She she known me since I was a kid. I remember like being at a record point. I think she told me this. And she's like, yo, quick, the music business is 10% music, 90% business. Right? So when people don't get that, like they don't get the business and they become frustrated because they're dope artists and dope DJs, but they can't figure out why they're not connecting. And all I've done, so when I said the fun part is becoming hot. 
The fun part is getting the wave. The fun part is making money. Here's the hard part. Write this down again. The hard part is staying hot. The hard part is keeping money. Everybody in this room knows somebody that used to have money. Am I talking to myself again, Ewa? Everybody in this room knows somebody that used to have the wave. And a lot of times, they get so caught up in their own stuff that they don't adapt to the times. People always like, how the hell? And I don't, I don't want to throw nobody, but I remember a DJ saying to me, quick, you need to retire. I'm like, retire? Like, I'm still on fire. He said, no, nah, because you're in the way. As long as you're number one, people are not going to let, they're not going to let somebody else take the crown. And I've been looking like, I can't believe somebody actually thinks this way. Like, I'm not in Bacon's way. Am I in your way, Malcolm? They figured out their own lane. All Quicksilver did was make myself the best version of myself and own my lane. So I say all this to say, all I've done every three to five years, because you talk, you got to think, I'm on year 21 and being in D.C. seven nights a week ready, all right? Every three to five years, a new DJ got hot. Every three to five years. When I first came in, we ain't gonna say the name, but this DJ was the man, then quick on you ain't gonna last. Then three years he becomes oh he's done. Then this DJ becomes the wave. Then then quick, I don't know you you can know. Then this DJ, every three to five years, it's been another DJ that you will argue he or she is the man or woman this year. But the difference is when he or she became hot, they got their little wave, Quicksilver never ever fell off your top two or three. And all I did was adapt to the time. So I remember tweeting this and Anwar texted me and you reposted it. I tweeted it maybe four or five years ago. If you're a DJ and all you can play is trap music, your time is short-lived. You won't be DJing long. If you're a DJ, because over the last 10 years, like you said, the clubs have been just about bottle service. Nobody really dances anymore. They just want to pop vials and hear trap music. But then that shift started happening when people wanted to hear Afrobeat. People wanted to hear R&B. People wanted to hear Bad Bunny at your club after you played Future. Like, people wanted to really open their ears. And all I did was adapt and adjust. So, in order to remain relevant and number one, you got to be consistent. But just adapt with the times. I'm going to go to Jerome and I'm going to come right back to you. Baby. I was just going to say Joy Club. Oh, yeah, Joy Club. Shameless plug. Joy Club, my first time DJing Joy Club. What did I tell you? I said, Yo, this, I've been DJing forever. I said, this might have been the most fun I've had in a long time. Because there is no playlist. There's nobody in my ear saying, quick. But Yo, do you know why, quick? Do you know why, quick? Play that Maybach three times. Do you know, we create the party we want to see. You create the experience that you want to see. And as a consumer, you need to go to the party that you want to have. You know, there's a lot of people that are standing still in the club when they want to be dancing. So why do you not go to the spot where there's people dancing? Or why don't you go to the club so you can stand there and look cool amongst other niggas? Like, that's okay. There's a lane for all of those things. And I think in all in all lanes of nightlife here, there's room for all of those things in D.C. I think right before the pandemic, we were at a perfect spot. Joy Club captured that. Pedro Adobo Party captured that. The movement, I haven't got over there yet. The basement is capturing that. But that's just the vision. You just got to go to the party that you want to see. But we're busy throwing the party that we want to see. Shout out to Joy Club and Basin Party. Joy Club. Two of the best parties I've DJed in a long time. You heard Shout it. out to Joy Club, but I, I can't forget the OG. Rock Creek Social Club, Jerome Baker. See, I wasn't old enough to get in yet. Recess on a Tuesday. Still to my my favorite party I've been to in DC. No offense, nobody, nobody else. Not even my own. 
how did like taking that risk at that point in time it was very music was in a different space the night life scene was in a completely different space because that was the one party that Amwa was talking about I didn't have to wear suit and bottom you know suit and uh, tie hard bottoms to get in I would say you're you're part of the catalyst of that change so what does that feel like now kind of looking back and seeing like where the scene is versus when you started it uh, I just realized that DC was wasn't mono. It wasn't one thing. You didn't have to. We had a room full of black kids who were playing rock music. We were playing MGMT. We were playing Kate Trinata. We we're still playing Future. We we're playing Kingpin Slim. Like we we took a chance on just playing everything because downtown is where the equipment worked, right? U Street, the equipment didn't work, but you still had cool venues. You still have still doesn't work. <laughs> uh, but you Let's have, talk about it. <laughs> you have Marvin, and you had all those places. But then, like, you know, you go see Quick and like a Lotus or something like that. And like, I mean, this is this is, you know, 07, 09, 2010. And I just was like, I want to play everything. I want to play everything for people that look like me. We are not just one thing. I mean, Flexus from Baltimore. I would love to hear Dance My Pain Away. Brooklyn, I'm sorry, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, he went to Morgan. I'm sorry. But I'd love to hear, play Dance My Pain Away in D.C., right? And just as people were dancing, they had a good time. They didn't care about people's differences and where they were from. So for us, it was always about just playing music for people that look like us in spaces, but we weren't the same. We didn't listen to the same thing. We all enjoyed everything. And that that's my thing to this day. You know what I'm saying? And I still play. I mean, I was in, I was in the trap last night, you know, like. But, you were in the trap last night? Yeah, but I'm going to play a reggae club at nine and then I'm back in the trap. You know what I mean? So it's just like being consistent, like Quick said, being consistent. But consistently having an open mind and an open ear, working with different people, trying out different venues. It's nightlife. You're going to get done dirty, unfortunately, uh, because that's part of the game sometimes. But learning how to bounce back, like Quick said, pivot. You know what I mean? Just having an open mind and just doing stuff like that was where we started. And, and we're going to, you know, we did Grill Cheese Social next week. So. Yeah, I mean, if I can cut in just real quick, um, I do want to say that for adobo at least our strategy when it comes to marketing pre-pandemic post-pandemic it hasn't changed uh because our mission at the end of the day is to unite the central and south american communities with the black community here in the dmv with the african community with the caribbean community and showing love to all these cultures under the same roof i don't want to even interrupt you but if you guys have ever been on instagram and seen somebody pouring adobo on a girl's back while they're dancing that's his party that's how lit that party is like that is that type of party i'm just giving texture and dimension to that party Hand clap people bring seasoning to pour it at that party like come on the adobo brand is held up by you right now so as as a proud Meezy, as someone born and raised in Gaithersburg, Montgomery Village specifically. Y'all don't have a sponsorship with them? Y'all don't have a sponsorship with them? Not with Goya because they're white supremacists, but. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to <laughs> tell yeah, him. We'll I didn't want to tell him. Day. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, coming from Montgomery Village um, in our upbringing, it was super like hyper diverse where it was that was when gentrification was you know first peeking its head out so there was a lot of section eight housing in montgomery village and you had a lot of folks from dc you know being pushed out to gaithersburg uh germantown frederick and whatnot so you had a lot of central american immigrants who came over in the 80s langley park pg county they came up you know gaithersburg germantown same thing so you just had this super mixing bowl of culture and sixth seventh grade middle school like my first Times going out to parties in Montgomery Village. That was my first time hearing Go Go. You know, that was my first time hearing Knuck of You Buck. That was my first time hearing Reggaeton. That was my first time seeing people twerk, like ever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, Adobo 
that's where the roots are. The roots are in, you know, people from uh, from D.C., people from Central America, South America, the Caribbean, Africa, all celebrating each other, all having a great time. You know, so we've just been consistent with that. I feel like that's the key word here, just consistency. And from 2018, we're coming up on our fourth year now, but that's been the mission since day one, just trying to unite everybody. And I feel like right now it's more essential than ever before, because I really feel like politically, the only way that people of color, black, brown, anyone who's down is going to win this country is if we come together. And I feel like the first step towards that unification I feel like the first step can be on that dance floor. It can be through, you know, eating pupusas, through Latin, seeing Latinos trying to beat their feet, you know, and failing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But for me, that's what it's all about because to me, that's the DMV authentic cultural er- experience. So we're just trying to cater to that and we want to show that to the world. Pedro for president. <laughs> respect, respect. You see. Uh, I'm going to ask one more question before we turn it to the crowd. Uh, let's talk about a real serious topic, money. Because we can't pay our rent, businesses, car notes, anything off vibes. One question I always get asked is, how do I value myself? And one question I want to ask you guys is, how do you deal when you know you're being undervalued or being underpaid? How do you handle that situation? You pay I for don't the, show up. You, you pay, I was going to say, you pay for the kind of experience that you want to see. And so oftentimes it's kind of crazy when a client cuts corners, when they look at you at the end of the night, like, why didn't you save us? Well, because maybe you could have just paid me the first time, but that's okay. You went with the route on what you could afford and look what you got. So I'll see you next year or see you next week whenever you want to correct that. So there's that. I value myself. I, I, I said this once and I'll say it again. If you do anything long enough, you become great at it, right? And if you stay yourself long enough, eventually people will pay you just to be you. I've said that a hundred times. I say all that to say I own a nightclub in Baltimore Club, Club downtown. And I remember when I first opened my club up, and I remember telling the GM at the time, I said, I'm going to pay all my DJs starting $1,000. And I remember him looking like, are you crazy? DJs only make two, $300. I'm available I said, on Saturday nights if you're still doing that, that. You know, that, that, that's easy work. That, that ain't about nothing. So listen, I literally said this. And I remember saying, that's crazy, DJs. I said, one, I'm a DJ who's opening a nightclub. So I got to make the focus of this club about the DJ. So... But he said the equipment don't work. I went out and literally spent so much money with lighting, with equipment, to make sure I had the best system, the best lights, because I wanted to bring that Miami Vegas experience. Because any DJ on this panel will tell you, when you DJing in a hole in the wall and the stuff don't work and your equipment cutting off, it's hard to catch a vibe. But when you DJing and it's a light man right here, and when I say black it out and the lights go out, and then I got a, a person here dancing and the smoke go up, like it makes you look like a better DJ. Am I lying? Like when you go to live. Or Miami or Vegas, some of these DJs aren't dope. It's the show that you're in love with. You love that. They can live when that confetti come out there. You feel like that confetti's for me, right? So when I said that, I said all my DJs started a thousand dollars because I want to make sure they realize that their value. And the first DJ I gave a thousand dollars. You're like, quick, what is this? I said, this is your pay. He said, damn. I said because I want you to realize the DJ can make or break the party. I don't care what the host, when what theme, if the music whack, the party's whack. I don't care if Beyonce and walk in. If the music whack, the party's whack. So how did I get to a point where I'm able to charge what I charge now? And I remember some DJs asked me, they're like, you're quick. And like, that's crazy because you're a DJ at Park and I'll DJ at Park and you'll make thousands of dollars in a night and then the owner tell me, only give me 200. So but what I said to him, you have to make yourself valuable. 
You can't just be a DJ. Jerome's not a DJ. He's a personality. He's a businessman. So when Quicksilver DJs, my new hashtag, if y'all follow me, is I don't DJ. I perform. I host my own mic. I don't want no hosts. I don't need no open DJ. I don't need anything. I'm my show. Right? A lot of people kind of was offended by that because I'm like, yo, just pay me and I'm going to be the host, the DJ, the promoter. I'm going to bring the artists because they all friends of mine from radio. So I got you on loud, right? And then I lost a lot of parties years ago because I remember, and I hate talking money because I, I hate to sound like we boasting or something. I remember my fee. Nah, nah I, I, I remember when I first started DJing and, and, and Mal- Malcolm knows this because like he's paid me before to, to do a party, right? When I first started DJing, my fee was like 250 And I remember like, thinking like that's ridiculous that's way too cheap but this is 20 years ago then i remember my, this is my when fee, you had to carry crates right and all that then, my, then my fee went to 500 dollars a party and it's crazy when i found out that and, and we ain't throwing them under the bus there's still djs today in 2022 that make three four hundred dollars a party and so i i didn't i remember saying the e i said i want my fee to be a thousand dollars and this is like 10 years ago this is when i'm doing like h2o and and and, and, and abiza and I remember saying a lot of owners and promoters going to say, nah, quick, that's too much. I'm going to book another DJ, which they did. I lost parties for about a year, but I kept saying to myself, I know I'm the best version of me. So you don't have to book quick, so go ahead and put DJ such and such and DJ kid for free and who gives a f-? Put them in there, right? You'll see a difference. You'll see a difference. Now, if you're not as good as you think you are, it won't work. This won't work. This method won't work. If you're you're not dope, this method will not work. But if you know that you're dope and you know for a fact what I bring, you got to put your foot down and say, yo, I want, now my, yo, this is my role manager, Earl. The booking we got yesterday is for how much and how long am I mixing? $10,000 for two hours. These are the bookers I get now. Like, I don't make hundreds of dollars. Like I literally make five thousand. When I do live on Sunday, I mix forty-five minutes for five thousand dollars. When they book me for Preakness, I'm making ten thousand for a fifteen-minute set. So for me, it took for me. Well, once again, it's consistency. But it took for me to say, Yo, I'm not doing no parties right now. If I wanted to, I can DJ every party in DC. But promoters from from all your favorite clubs from Rose by them they were like quick ah boy they complain about it but they'll pay me but then they go oh, quick killing the budget quick killing the budget as I became an owner I realized how ridiculous it says when they say a DJ's killing the budget so let's just take a club like Rose Ball or Saino or anything right it's 15 tables 20 in some of these clubs right each table minimum but outside the promoter comp table is a thousand dollars some of them are $2,000, $3,000 if the artist is there, right? So you tell me it's $15,000 generated around these 15 tables. The bar will make another five. Now you're $20,000. Your door is normally free, but let's just say you make $1,000. So you made $21,000. $21,000. These are real numbers. Now the Rose Bars, are all, they make 60, 70 grand. So if you mix a Rose Bar and you make 300, you're dumb. If you mix an Abigail, you make four, five hundred. You're dumb because I know the numbers. You can't bullshit me because I own a club. So when they come to me, be like, "Quick, I can't afford a job." Like, yo, let's look at the numbers. Okay, so this club makes fifty thousand a night. If Quicksilver says he wants five thousand, that's only ten percent. Now, if I say I want one thousand, that is point one point six six. Y'all know the numbers. So how are you telling Jerome Baker or Malcolm? That your fee is too expensive because once again if the music is whack the party's whack now what the promoters do they're gonna complain about your money they're gonna complain if you don't play their favorite sean and shot them out because they all got egos 
And then when the artist come in, you got to make sure you play this song. So once again, to get that fee you want, you have to just say, I'm not going to do it. That's literally what I did. I said, yo, I'm not doing no parties. I'm not there. And then I opened my own club. And then once again, diversifying your income. Unfortunately, some DJs can't do what Quicksilver did. And I always say what works for me not might not work for you because if, if you only DJ for a living, you need every dollar. Because once again, somebody said, we got bills. For me, I'm blessed. I make enough money from radio, TV, owning clubs, owning two DJ schools, wrestling leagues that I cannot DJ if I don't want and I still pay my bills. So it was easier for me to say, you know what, you know, I, I'm not doing no more of them local parties for 300 and what? And once again, I ain't throwing no money in the bus. Anwar booked me for his R&B party. Anwar, when I told him my fee, he was like, quick, what? What? Am I lying? It was real, but <laughs> he told me his fee. I said, yo, I can't do that. Because I'm look, when I when I reach out to a DJ, I'm going to ask you your fee. If, if it's not within my budget, it's not within my budget. I'll find somebody else. That's cool. However, quick was like, all right. We'll, I want to we'll, do the party. Yeah, he wanted to do the party. So he did the party. A thousand people came, so of course I'm gonna pay him his regular fee. He's gonna say, he said, "Yo, Anwar, what we do?" I said, "All right." I said, "It's I yours. Said, the full fee is yours." I want to go back and forth with you right now. <laughs> I, said, full I, I know I had everybody singing. Can we talk? And so I say that to say, if you're as good as you think you are, a lot of us have egos, but our talent don't match the ego. If you're as good as you think you are, and you know how good you are, and you can start your own events like they're doing. You have to be able to put your foot down and say, yo, I'm not, like, why, why would I, why would you give me $300 when I know for a fact this club made 50000 Like, you're just not a business person, man or woman. I always say the music business is 10% music, 10% talent, 90% business. So, but, let, me, let, me, let me say it again. When I said 10%, I said the 10% is the music, it's the talent. So put that in one. That's the 110. The, right, right. Right now, now I got she, 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 my math good. You know, my, my money good, my math good. But seriously, the 90% is the business. That other 10 is the talent, whatever. But if you don't get the business in, your talent, I don't care how dope you are. Like, you got to be able to put your foot down and say, I'm not going to do it. And that's how I got to the fee. Like, when I first came in D.C., I'm not like, yo, these guys in D.C. At, in, right now, it's small clubs. Back then, it was all mega clubs. Uh, H2O, Zanzibar, Fur, Love, Abiza. All these clubs were doing three, four thousand people five nights a week. And the DJs were making three, four hundred dollars. I'm like, yo, this just, am I just, am I the only one that's crazy on this? And I remember going to Abiza saying I want $2,000 a week. And the owner, like, I don't know. But guess what? Because I'm so good at what I do, they paid it. So you got to demand it. It's like when a relationship, if you let somebody get over you, they're going to do it. If you demand it and say, I'm going to leave if, if they can be, if you don't give me a hug right now, I'm leaving this room. But seriously, you got to demand that. And then if you don't, you got to be okay at walking out of here and saying, Bacon Bear said, F- you. Any, um, and all the DJs in here, put your hand in the air. I'm in a cry. So like, I think, you know, as someone who does events, I think, I love what Quicksilver does, right? So you have to make yourself even more valuable in the next DJ. Um, so if I'm going to book you, are you going to promote? Are you going to, what, what can you do to add value to the event, right? So what I like to do is like for some, I won't do this so quick because he already makes too much money, but, oh, I am, I'm joking. But um, 
But for like some of the other DJs, I would give them a ticket link. So for you, if if you're at a space where you can't afford, where you can't get a thousand dollars yet, then you need to show your value. Yo, I know it's a ticketed event. Can I get a custom link? I'm a promote. Can I get 10% of every table I sell? What can you do? You know what I'm saying? What can you do? How can you add value to some someone who's like already investing so much money into this event? So you might do a New Year's Eve party and that New Year's Eve party might cost you 30000 to throw that New Year's Eve party. So all these, there's so many little numbers and stuff that goes underneath doing these events. And you don't want to like skip on a DJ. But if you, if you tell me, yo, you're a DJ, all right. So New Year's Eve, for, for example, I have four DJs and one of my DJs sold four tables. I gave him 10% of every table that he sold and he sold about 20 or 30 tickets and I gave him another 30% of every every ticket he sold plus his regular fee. So like just think about, you know, what I'm saying the payout that he's going to get just because he went ham for the event. You know what I'm saying? And I know DJs always say they don't take requests, but I'm this is one thing I believe in. Like you can't tell me like I'm a marketer, right? So on your laptop, if you if if you're at a party, it's 500 people in a party, you say you get yourself one of those phone numbers, 1-800 numbers that people could text you. And all you gotta say is, yo, if you're in this party right now, text me a request or your shout outs. You don't gotta do it. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you pick one or two people, but how many people are gonna text you every night? That's in your database. So when I come to you, I say, yo, I want to book you for my event. You're going to say, yo, Anwar, yo, I got I got 4,000 people on my text list. I can hit them. They're going to buy. You know what I'm saying? You're adding value. And now your price could be more. So you got to figure out how you're going to get money. It's not just about, oh, the $500. You know what I'm saying? So when I was a photographer back in the day, I was a photographer. I used to come to the club and... um all the promoters they wanted their photos they well there were other people out there that charged more for the photos right charged more to take pictures i came in i said yo i'll do it for half what they do but i started a website and put every single photo that i took on my website everyone had to log into my website to get their photo i got every, yo in dc i probably got eighty thousand emails from people who ever partied in dc but that makes you valuable you need your data so whatever you do never forget about the data it can't just be about the dollar the dollar you can spend that tomorrow the data you can keep spending that that could, that you know that could last forever when you decide to throw your own events bet that's what you used to promote you know what i'm saying so think data think long term don't don't think just about the dollar right now that's my piece yeah man and i'll say that Anne was one of the i'll say the few promoters um that's doing it on a large scale level who appreciates and sees the value and respects the value of a good DJ, right? So for me and for at least my peers, I think, um, probably all everybody on this panel, you know, we work with people who see that value. You know, I feel like we're at this point, a lot of us DJs are at this point. I feel like a lot of people are in this room who are DJs. We're at this point where, you know, if the establishment, if the management, if they don't see that value, if they don't respect that value, it's probably best to walk away. You know, or, you know, you could really try to educate them, get them to see, yo, break it down like like how Quick was talking about, you know, this information, it's out there. It's it's readily available. You know, it, you don't have to necessarily attain it through experience. A lot of it is 
you know, talking to people like us, talking to a lot of the DJs in the room, you know, picking their brain and, you know, being transparent, saying, yo, this place is undercutting. This place on U Street is doing 150 a night for six hours. It's nasty work, but it's happening right now, y'all. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, but at least for us DJs, you know, it, it, there has to be some level of transparency. And, you know, we got to be more honest with, you know, what certain venues are providing, what they're offering, you know, just so we can try to bring the equity up for everybody. Because that's what's important, because a lot of us are using DJing to to maintain ourselves, to sustain ourselves and to make a living off of. All right. So uh, Bird d- is d- giving. Just, OK, OK. Just ahead, one last thing. There's a panel that is dedicated to DJing here in a little while. But I will say just holding your value is super important. We cannot undercut one another. If Quick says 5K, I could say 2K. I could say 4K, you know what I mean? Because the bar is set right there. But if we go on for $50 for five hours, well, we're doing it wrong. So we all, and, yeah. and, and when would, one person goes for that, they expect the, the world to go for that. And so you mess yeah. it up for the next guy and the next I would woman. Say, so we so all agree the cut. normal rate is $1,000. Do you understand? <laughs> Whose is it? I would say, yo, so if, if you... If quick is 10, we all you, want 1000 It depends on who you are for us. <laughs> it, depends you, on who, look, it depends on who it is. If you respect yourself as a DJ in the DMV, you shouldn't be DJing for less than the price of a bottle on the menu. Ooh. All right? Yo, so like four hundred dollars, give or take, just, like two, three, four <laughs> to leave the house. You know what I'm saying? That's just what I think. Can I get at least one or two good questions if anybody has them, real quick? So, um, I just want to say I respect. I've worked with all of you guys on the panel at some point, and one thing that I've noticed seeing you guys come up from the DMV, you've all branched out outside of the DMV, like Quicksilver said. I've seen him in Miami. I've seen him in North Carolina. I've seen him all over the place. I've seen Jerome Baker in Miami. I've seen him in New York. I've seen him all over the place. I've I've seen Anwan Cleveland. I've I've seen you guys everywhere. So you guys have transcended the DMV. So I think people would benefit um, understanding how have you guys taken your brand outside of the DMV? Uh, relationships, just having good relationships doing good business uh, i mean treating people i mean we're talking about money now so paying people their value uh also having a product that was so unique that people say you know what i want to take you from where you are and bring you here and because they're like this is so, such an outstanding product come bring it to new york miami etc cetera, etc cetera. and um that's what's worked for, for me so well, so far well what i would say as a host because a lot of times a host is not even needed, right? When you get technical to a party, the DJ is enough. As a host specifically, you got to bring that extra oomph as well as when you're traveling. And if you get a booking, especially when you're trying to come up and spread your name, it, you got to reinvest in yourself. That money you just made in D.C., put that for the flight. Go build your relationship. Your value is there. You believe in yourself like that. When I was traveling 10 years ago to Miami to host, to Atlanta to host, making nothing or close to to cover my hotel and my flight but i knew that i was gonna rock that shit that night i just know i just know what i bring and before you know it now the promoters impressed the venues who was that guy who's it they, they didn't know the name before now they do and now they're paying the the 750 the thousand or whatever the number is and now i'm making a profit because i reinvested in myself that money i took uh, that money i got it wasn't for myself but it was for myself I didn't buy things to, to to impress anybody else. If anything, I saved and I put it right back in my brand. Get a new logo, a new photo shoot, just keeping things fresh. And before you know it, your brand is going to speak for you. 
So in nightlife, we all know what ebb and flow. So can everybody on the talk about on the panel talk about how did you recover from your biggest loss? Because it's inevitable in the game. So how do you bounce back from your biggest loss? You just keep going. I mean, I always say like when you're in the club and say that the equipment is all messed up, it's like doing open heart surgery up there and you try not to mess it up. But then when the club goes silent and everybody's looking at you like you look dumb as right now, like that is the, some of the hardest things to recover. I think the DJs were accustomed to recovering because it's about that. Like it's about picking that wrong song, looking at that girl at the bar, being thrown off by that and having to, to recover from that. It's literally like girl or you cut off a girl's favorite song and she's in the middle of her snap and she put her phone down oh my god it'll make you want to throw up in a dj booth like you really messed up and so it's all about that recovery so after a pandemic again everybody here has talked about how you just recover it's we are built for it recovery is nightlife i think every event you do you kind of uh you project your best case scenarios and you project your worst case scenarios so i think like we were, I was, we were doing um, New Year's Eve at um, WEG And like, alright, cool We projected 2,000 people We're killing it, killing it, killing it Tickets are moving I'm like, alright, bet We're going to do 2,000 people Then boom a com- um, Omarion hits the streets, right? And all of a sudden We go from selling 100 tickets a day To 10 tickets a day And now you start thinking about Alright, cool You're going to take You're going to start taking the L So We didn't take an L But in every event you do You think How if this thing goes bottoms up, how are we going to make sure, how, how are we going to recover? You know what I'm saying? So you, you plan your best case scenario and then your worst case scenario. So in everything, um, and you know, for me, I just keep going, man. Like I, you know, I'm built for this. So it is what it is. Real quick. Uh, I'm going to give you a short answer. And like, I, I done had so many moments in my life and my career where, um, I always say there's no such thing as a loss. You win or you learn. Everything is a learning experience, right? But I say that to say, and I was trying to figure, like, do I even want to touch on this inflection? Like, yo, tell them the X1057 story. And I done had so many times in my life where I've been canceled. I've been counted out. I'm quick as great, old, quick. I done had so many moments where people say he's done, right? The moment he's talking about, um, if anybody remember, if anybody's from Baltimore, it was a radio station called X1057. Um, it was only on the air from 2001 to like 2002. Um, that was the my first time getting like a real big check for a radio show. It was called Hot Boy Radio. Momo remember, it was called Hot Boy Radio every night, 6 to 10 p.m. Um, Quicksilver, and then I had my sister Lil Mo on before me. Uh, that was my first moment to like get a real check and be like really be like quick made it. Like that, that was my moment. Um, I was 20, 21 years old at the time. And I remember one of my OGs in the street say, yo, whenever you start making some real money, the first thing you do is go out and buy a house. Because, you know, if you got an apartment, you can pay your rent a thousand times, but you lay one time, it affects your credit. But with a house, you can build equity, blah, 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 blah. So what do I do? I'm 21 years old. Um, no college degree. Barely graduated high school. I go and buy me a house because I finally got this big check coming in. Uh, this is so true story. Flex it. I settled, y'all know what closing costs, right? So I settled on my house on Tuesday. And remember, on Tuesday, I'm the biggest DJ in Baltimore. I got Hammer Jacks on Sunday. I'm on BET 106 in Park. I was a DJ for six seasons. So I'm on TV. I'm on radio. I'm killing. 21 years old. Tuesday, I buy this big old house at Owens Mills. If anybody know Owens Mills back in there, that's like buying a house in Potomac. So I'm 21 years old living in Owens Mills. On Tuesday, on Friday, 
the station flip formats i got fired and lost everything because i took all the money i saved to buy this house i had like 30 grand at the time i had to put all that money down for closing costs and upfront so i'm at zero and i remember the other comp- the competing station they had a whole promo you know what promos is they had a promo saying quicksilver was doing the damn thing i guess the damn thing is done so imagine a dude that's like a street dude like i gotta just take that because i'm like like they don't want no smoke these are radio college kids like like i want to go and be ignorant like ignorant so for like a whole week their whole slogan because my thing was hotway radio doing the damn thing the way it's supposed to be done that was my slogan their whole staff huh 92q doing the damn thing because there ain't no other damn thing in the city so they are frying me and everybody telling me he's done he's done this was quicksilver's moment he's done he's canceled he's done and maybe it's just me i get fueled by stuff like that like i must tell me i can't do something and once it's done i'm gonna look you in the face and say now nigga what so i literally got in my hustle mode like it's no way i'm gonna let these people win so to answer your question whenever i was told i couldn't do something whenever i told i was canceled i don't like being number one for a long time with no competition i want malcolm to get hot and think he coming after my spot i want that like i want the smoke jerome play with me i want the smoke i'm not that not what you draw i love you he like quick what did i do but but, but sir like like if y'all know me i'm very competitive like i want the smoke like so for me that's how i keep going when people count me out say i couldn't every time i took an l it motivated me to come back stronger and better and every time someone told me i was done every single time i came back bigger and better even down to the last time when i walked away from the morning show and everybody said i was canceled or done i came back got a syndicated deal and they doubled my salary and my linebacker i was the first person to be syndicated in baltimore and dc at the same time they said the show wouldn't work Three years later, I'm on in 10 cities. I get motivated by shit like that. Like, so for me, that's my answer. Tell me I can't do something. I'm gonna make you big mad and piss you off and make millions of dollars winning. All right, so in the essence of time, I know we got another panel uh, waiting. If we could get everybody social, where to follow you, uh, where you gonna be at next, what's the next party, where can everybody, just give them shameless plugs. Yeah, just go down. SRV. Oh, Jerome Baker, 3RD on socials. Uh, I'm DJ at 1942 tonight. Come hang out. El Pedro Knight. That's E-L-P-E-D-R-O Knight with an N. And uh, our platform is Adobo DMV. A-D-O-B-O-D-M-V. And uh, our first day party of the year is going to be on Sunday, May 1st at the Bullpen right down the street from uh, Nats Park. Uh, we got a crazy DJ lineup. So, yeah, pull up. Um, I'm Anwa Kong. Um, A-N-W-A-A-K-O-N-G on on all social media platforms and then the brand is um movement or join the movement um which is about m-v-e-m-n-t like my hat uh where are we at next next saturday we got a day party in baltimore then next saturday night we got a reggae party um in dc um cinco de mayo we're doing a big um tequila fest and the night after that we're doing an r&b party with maya's performance so you know i'm saying check it out Thank you. Uh, I'm Little Bacon Bear. You can check me out on the airways, 7 to 10 p.m., 6 to 10 p.m. 
7 to midnight on social media at Little Bacon Bear. Like the bacon that you eat in the Bear of the Wars. Uh-huh, honey. Right quick? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That part. I'm just hungry. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm at DJ Quicksilver on everything. I'm on the radio every day, 3 until 7 o'clock. Um, Quicksilver show with Dominique D. Shout out to my co-host, my sis. Um, I got parties. I'm like, I don't feel like shit. I got parties literally seven nights a week everywhere. So just check my Instagram. I post about it. I'll, I'll give a couple of uh, shameless plugs of some big parties outside my weeklies in D.C. Um, I, I do a festival called Mocha Fest. Uh, we actually have, uh, go to mochafest.com. Yeah, it's mochafest.com, right? You can see uh, this year alone, I'll be DJing in Greece, Dubai, Jamaica, Cancun, Houston next week, Kenya, Thailand. I think, but you go to mochafest.com, you'll see all the festivals I'm doing. And then last shameless plug, uh, outside of radio, if anybody's walked in, I got two TV shows coming out this year. Um, a lot of people know about Love and Marriage DC, me and my wife, Ashley. The premieres on, put this in your phone, please, y'all. Saturday, May 14th, 9 p.m. on Oprah's Network on. Saturday, 9 p.m. Um, and I'll be on every, I got a full season, so, and I already signed for a second season. Um, so it's 12 episodes, so you can see me every Saturday, 9 p.m. on TV on top of the radio. Um, but for anybody who walked in, I, I dropped the bombshell, and I gave you I, I gave you an exclusive bird, so I'm going to charge you for this tomorrow because nobody knew about this. A lot of people know about the um, Love and Marriage show because we talk about it on Instagram and the radio. But I have my own docuseries called Who is Quicksilver that just got picked up by Netflix, and it comes out in November. Um, it's going to really tell about my life and my backstory. Thank you all so much. Um, so I hope, like, my, my no, thank, I, I, I thank you, but my, my whole goal in life at this point is not about accolades or awards or money. It's really about inspiring. Like I'm really a walking testimony of a person who's been through everything bad. I'm a walking testimony of someone who's been canceled, called out, lied. Room. I'm a walking testimony of everything. Like, and when y'all see my docu series, I said this earlier, but I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna give y'all, and I know we got a rap bird, but I promise you, I'm gonna give y'all in 30 seconds if I can. 30 seconds, just a little bit of my backstory. So when y'all see the docu series, y'all like, I thought I knew Quicksilver. I got. I lost my mom at the age of 10, got in the street, saw selling drugs at 11, got shot when I was 13, was paralyzed for a year. They told me I wouldn't walk again. Lost my dad at the age of 18, barely graduated high school, did not go to college, lost everything by 21, and now I'm still here with y'all. Like, that's a walking testimony. My stats say I should be dead or in jail, but I'm still here. Uh, I'm just King Flexa uh, at K I N G F L E double X A. Uh, you could catch me next uh, in Cincinnati tonight if you guys want to uh, hop a flight. I'll be in Cincinnati hosting, so catch me there. But but shout out to the Made in the DMV. Like it's 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 initiatives like this that's gonna start here and become national and then global. So Bird, we love and respect you, Malcolm X, and everybody else involved. We love y'all for real. So shout out to the panel. Give a hand to everybody here on the panel. We got our next panel coming up. I'm gonna talk to the-